I'm Coach Nikki. Welcome to the Business 101 Show podcast. If you have a question on business or maybe you'd like to be interviewed on our show, get in touch. Email us info at business101show.com.au. That's info at business101show.com.au. We're on Instagram and Facebook too. You can find all those details at our website, business101show.com.au. Welcome to the Business 101 Show, Councillor Teresa Lane. Thanks very much, Nikki. Good to be here. Nice to have you here. I'm really excited to chat with you today because you, for me, are like an onion. There's a lot of different layers to you and what you're about. So it's not just, I mean, what you see is what you get with you, which is why I like you, because you're a real human that hasn't got, you know, you're not a polished suit. You're not just a politician, as people sometimes call. Something I'm interested in is you've only been a local councillor since 2020. Yeah, that's right. But you've been in public service or politics, as I would just broadly categorise it, for quite a while. I have. Um, actually, I've been in public service since I was 17. So I left school and joined the uh, Royal Australian Army and I served in the Ordnance Corps. Um, Is that where you blow stuff up? Yeah. It's where, you have, it's where you have a lot of fun. You have a <laughs> lot of fun. So um, Oki Workshop Battalion um, oh, yeah. up near Toowoomba was my first posting at Five Base. Yeah. Um, we saw the introduction of the Black Hawk helicopters and uh, wow. I got to order my first Oshkosh fire engine and a big foam sprayer. And uh, yeah, so it was good times. When I got out of the military, it's it's pretty hard to get a job after serving. People want to um, give you a job, but you've actually got to have skills that are relevant to your local area. And when I got out of the army, I was a single parent. Um, so I had, you know, a young child. I had to find daycare. I had to work around that. And uh, I went to volunteer for an up-and-coming politician called Craig Emerson. I remember the first time meeting him, I thought this man is certifiably nuts, but absolutely brilliant. And uh, he could tell you something that was written in 1972 on what page for the United wow. Nations. He is just... What, the photographic most, memory? Or? The most phenomenal brain I think I've ever met um, and, and such a caring human being. So after he was elected, he came to me, said, Teresa, I've got some part-time work. Do you want to take it on? And I said, absolutely. So I ran with it. And within two years, I was working for Senator Joe Ludwig. Um, I stayed with him for five years, uh, ran his manager of opposition business in the Senate, and then went off to um, explore South Australia and ran the marginal seats campaign for Norwood for Premier Mike Rand down there. Then so I, you've been around, haven't you? I have. Canberra, then South Australia. Yeah, and then I really miss the thunderstorms in Queensland because South Australia just don't get them. They just get the summer heat. It's terrible. Yeah, all those churches. It's just yeah. so boring. And I put on 16 kilos down there. All they do is eat. It's fabulous. <laughs> Everyone just kept saying, eat, eat, Teresa, you look thin. I'm like, no, I really don't. Wow. So um, I said I was coming back to Queensland and I had job offers. Um, so when Craig, I went back to work with Craig and when he was um, elected in 2007, we got government. It was a great time. It was a, a time when we could implement policies that really had a significant impact in this local area, uh, National Schools Program, and watching local schools get uh, funding for before school and after school programs, deadly mathletics um, for kids who were struggling, but also kids who were excelling in the classroom. They actually were funded for programs, and it made such a huge difference. People remember the t that time of the early Rudd years as the school halls program. It was so much more than that. It was actually bringing about a sense of uh, rightness to our education um, and, and asking the schools to actually take this money and run with programs that they believe would have the greatest impact. Schools like Barambari State School went from attendance at around the 71% 
up to the high 80s, early 90%, just through programs that they implemented so that they would go to the home, pick up a child. If mum was struggling and had separation issues or things like that, they'd bring her along on the journey. So we actually had kids in school, kids actually improving, and our educators had the chance to shine. And that was such a privilege to be a part of. So, yeah. Real grassroots stuff. Yeah. To that level of granular where we'll go and actually implement. But was the key there just to let the schools implement what they knew would work? So you didn't make a broad policy at top level. You actually let the forward-facing people on the ground decide where the money should be spent? Yep. So the policy basically said that lower SES schools – Um, schools particularly around um, this local area, Mm -hmm. um, would receive a certain amount of money based on previous scores and needs. And then the schools were asked to submit a a range of projects that they actually wanted to run. And through Education Queensland, it was a joint effort between the state and the federal government to have these programs run. And they're amazing. They actually made such a significant impact, not only on the students, but also on the parents and their confidence to be a part of their children's education. You know, if you grew up in an area where you weren't educated, um, schools are pretty intimidating places, um, particularly for parents. Um, they sort of hang back. Our multicultural communities became more engaged as a result of these programs. It was just a delight to watch it happen and watch it unfold. And when it stopped, it was it was a big shame. I'm going to ask you a terrible question. Yeah. Why do you care so much about that? Um, so I grew up here. Which I understand if that could sound like an offensive no, question. No, no, no. Because I can see it in your eyes. I know this is radio and podcast, but yeah. y- you speak with conviction. Like there is a belief. It's not You're not just saying words. Like you, It's a fundamental belief to your core. It is. Education is the key to prosperity. Education is the way out for a lot of uh, young people. If you build them up enough, if you tell them that they can do it the right way, and if you bring the family along on the journey, kids will actually grow into great human beings. If you have this cycle of uh, not just poverty, but also disenfranchised people, that's when you have apathy come into a community. We're not a community like that. I grew up here and everyone was poor. I mean, we used to run around with no shoes on. We'd, our idea of a great park was someone um, stashed a, an old tractor down in one of the parks, dumped it actually. <laughs> and we played on it for years to come, you Fantastic. know. And as people started pulling parts off it, it was still just this adventure. This has always been a place where great people come from, people with good hearts, good souls, and and they accomplish. I mean, we've got a state minister currently who grew up in Woodridge. She's an amazing First Nations woman. Her brother is such an accomplished person in the arts. This is the start of it. There, There are so many people that have come from this community who have gone on to do wonderful things, not for themselves, but for the community at large and the nation. Our service numbers are phenomenal. Um, Our volunteer numbers are out of this world. We've got the largest group of volunteers in the whole of Queensland right here in my division, and I'm so proud of them. Because a lot of your social media, you get around to all the volunteer groups quite often. If if you don't follow Teresa Lane, go and follow her on all the socials. It's C-L-L-R, Teresa Lane, so T-E-R-E-S-A, Lane. Um, You're so active and everyone is always so happy in those photos in the volunteer groups. They're happy to be there, aren't they? They are. Um, They actually find volunteering a pleasure. I met an 84-year-old woman named Margaret up at Meals on Wheels. She's been volunteering since her husband passed away. Now, when he passed, she just didn't know what to do with herself. And a friend recommended Meals on Wheels. So Margaret is 84 years of age, hooks in up there three times a week 
and actually gives back to her community. And she's so proud of the fact that she does that and that she's got a great group of friends. And her friends circle have grown as a result of her volunteering. And that's why so many people volunteer. They want to give back. They don't want to stagnate in, in retirement. There are some phenomenal brains out there that have done amazing jobs. And at 65, we say, that's it. You know, off you go, stay at home, raise some grandkids or do whatever it is you do. No way. In Logan, we take advantage of them. We say, we're going to keep using you. We're going to keep using your skills. My dad is, um, is uh, in his 70s and he volunteers at the Logan Hospital. He's very proud of that fact. Um, he's taking people to their appointments. He's making sure that the lost and found are done. And this is a man that, run, uh, that ran the East Asia Wholesome um, Occupational Health and Safety. He, he's not a... Unskilled or unis- very clever, all. very capable. Very capable man. And he takes great pride in his volunteering work. Power in the seniors. You know, every time you go through places like Singapore, uh, the, the trolley person is not some young thing getting around. Mm. It's, it's like a, it's a granddad or a grandma on a trolley, you know, around the Singapore Changi Airport. And I've always gone, the, the Asian cultures, especially in Singapore, value their elders. It's like, we well, still have a purpose. You should still take part. So you're saying it's the same here? We do have that, that same theory here. So we actually look at our seniors and we see them as assets. Um, they're not people that just need to sit at home. And mm. uh, most of the things that I do, I'll send out a flyer to the community tell them, telling them what's coming up in their community. I want them to participate in the local area. I want them to keep their minds busy, their bodies active, and that way they're happier people. Um, that's the reality of it. Your kids grow up, they move off, they you know they bring your grandbabies and you get to spoil them every so often. But there's still a massive mind inside that body that can be used for so much. Mission Possible Volunteers, amazing group. Um, they actually have over 500 volunteers who knit, sew and crochet their way through palliative care wards, they sew for nursing homes, camp quality. They're amazing wow. volunteers. We've got similar down in Beanley in, uh, in Councillor Karen Murphy's area. They're just phenomenal volunteers and we love them. But it's not just seniors who do that. There's a lot of young mums who are at home who, whose kids go off to school and they think, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? We have to encourage them to get out, to volunteer and to be part of the community. And when they're part of the community, when you invest in a community, you want to see it succeed. And the more people we have doing that, the better off we are. So what I'd be right in guessing, so let's say you're listening to this and you want to get involved, but you don't know where to go or what's available, should they get in touch with their local councillor? They should absolutely get in touch with their local Because that's something councillor. I never thought of. Like if you're at a loose end or you want to contribute, ring your local councillor and say, hey, here's my interest. What, what's around that I can get involved in? Absolutely. Jim Chalmers' office, the federal member, uh, Cameron Dick's office, they have a list of local community groups that do meet. And uh, we share a lot of information. Um, we're very, commu- you know, we talk backwards and forwards. The same thing happens down in the west, down in the, the southern end of, of Logan. We actually talk with each other and we make sure that if someone comes to us, we can have that conversation and connect them to the right area. It's the best That's way. what really surprised me. I thought when first coming into the business show and getting to know, you know, who's who in the zoo, basically, there was a lot of, um, what do you call it, um, working together, both local, state and federal. There was none of this, oh, the federal member is more important than the local member. Everybody cross-shares, cross-relates. There's no sort of, I'm better than you because I'm federal or state or it's, I expected this tiered sort of fiefdom. I don't see any of that here. No, there there genuinely isn't. I mean, I had a discussion with Bert uh, a couple of months ago. We were in a meeting and, you know, we were talking about funding and upcoming election commitments and I said, Bert, you are welcome to spend any amount of money in Division 2 that you would love to spend. He goes... That's not my area, Teresa. I go, I know, but just in case you had any spare laying <laughs> just around. Just in case you need you to meet budget. <laughs> you know, but um, I respect the fact that they've got to travel to Canberra for 20 plus weeks a year. 
Um, yeah. They can't always be here. There's no point in, in point scoring off people. It, that doesn't make a community function properly. We've got to work together to get the best outcomes, whether it's local councillor talking to a state member or a federal member um, and, you know, a, a, a cross-section of that. But we need to get the best outcome for our community because that's at, at the end of the day, that's what we're there for. Working in the uh, opposition, Manager for Opposition Businesses Office in Canberra yep. sounds fascinating when you think about it because I'm a nerd. So it just it sounds fascinating to me. You must have been across pretty much everything that was going on at the time. Pretty much. So um, my job was my boss would go to tactics in the morning. He'd come back and he'd say, Teresa, I'm doing three speeches today. You need to write them. Bang, bang, bang. I'll be out there typing speeches. Um, but then we had committee work. So the work of the committees um, in parliament, in state and federal parliament, are quite extensive and they're exhaustive. Um, I remember writing a speech about um, the uh, M1A1 um, Abram tanks and the impact that they would have on the road. And Robert Hill went up to my boss at the time and said, how do you know this stuff? And he goes, I'm just in the know across the board. <laughs> and it was just, it was really awesome. So, you know, you could put a local perspective on anything that came up, workplace relations bills. I mean, you have difference of opinions, whether you're an employer or an employee, and sometimes those opinions actually meld together. Most workplace relations bills go through quite easily, but there are some contentious ones where you can actually relate them back to a local person and what they're going through. And you can say there, there is an inequity or an unfairness in this that will impact my community. And that's when you, st- you stand up and you fight. And, you know, the pardon the expression, the mongrel dog comes out in mm-hmm. Parliament and they actively encourage that because that's what you're there to do. To get a true discourse of what's going Absolutely. on, of all the real issues, not just the mainstream in the middle. And sometimes there are things that come up during the course of that discussion that will change the way a bill is written. Um, and sometimes they haven't thought of that specific impact and they will change things. There is uh, probably most of Parliament goes through, the bills go through, um, it's only the really highly contentious ones that you, you hear about and you see. Um, is the one that sticks in your mind as being either the most satisfying or one that you remember as you, from your time in Canberra, like if you say for bills? So there was a workplace relations bill. It was, um, it was one where Senator Jeff Buckland, he was a senator from South Australia and former uh, steel mill worker. Okay. And uh, he was, we called him, um, you know, Uncle, Uncle um, Buck and... Uh, he was just this kind, gentle soul. And in this one bill, it got his back up so much that he got up and he actually roared in Parliament. And I just sat there absolutely gobsmacked and I was proud. I was uh, tears rolling down my face. His defence of steelworkers was phenomenal. His knowledge and breadth of, of the South Australian community was just unbelievable i mean this man poured everything he had into that speech there was no pre-done words it all came from the heart and what came out was just i've got goosebumps talking about this because it was the most powerful speech i think i've ever heard in parliament and it didn't come from one of the the people that you see on telly every day it came from a person who was a member of a union who was a union delegate who went on to become a senator and it was an issue close to his heart and then just truth there was nothing but truth nothing but truth and pure honesty and it wasn't meant to attack it was meant to tell his truth and other people's truths and it was just phenomenal how do we come back to a more centered approach in this country because we're so fringed either hard left or hard right how do we get back to the middle so if you look at i saw recently on a a social media post you're at a twu 
um, in support of the toll drivers yes. because of what's going on in that business at the moment. I know there's a, a position to play for unions, mm-hmm. but why is it the old story of why unions are still so important because it just represents a voice or is it deeper than that? I think it is deeper than that. I mean, if you look at um, the way in which people who are in the workforce uh, benefit from the work that unions have done in previous times. And the unions are still there. They're still negotiating these enterprise bargaining agreements and they know the facts behind it. So a good example is is the toll example. I was down there with the TWU. I was invited by them to go down. And my thing is, is they didn't take a break during COVID. They actually burnt themselves out um, getting product, getting the loo paper onto the shelves, the all-important yeah. loo paper. And um, they made sure that the country kept going. Now, tolls recorded record profits during that period. And a company's allowed to do that. That's that's no problem. Yeah. But when it comes to remunerating your staff, you've actually got to bring them along on the journey. And to not do that is, is extraordinarily unfair. Um, and the people who aren't members of unions, they get the benefit of a union negotiation either way. They don't have to be a member. They don't pay their membership, but they actually get the benefits from those union negotiations. We used to have a separation of, of um, uh, the way in which those uh, workplace relations bills work. So if you're a member of a union, you benefited from it. If you weren't, you know, you sort of either had to join up or, you know. You don't get the same benefit. Well, you, you did, but you just weren't brought along on the journey and you certainly weren't um, given any special consideration. People don't want to join unions until they're in trouble. Um, and then they say, well, what's the union going to do for me? It's like, God, people pray when they're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in the military, we're not allowed to be a member of a political party. We weren't allowed to be a member of a union. But the moment that I got out, I joined only because I wanted to ensure that if something came up in any workplace, that I had someone I could go to. You're not always in the right. You're not always going to get the best outcome. But knowing that that's there and that they're prepared to fight for you means a whole lot. And for people in lower um, socioeconomic communities and lower income demographics, Unions are all important. I mean, they actually secured money back from Coles. They, they've, they've done a whole range of things that are actually positive for people's lives. And um, when, you're, when you're talking the difference between 1.6 and 2%, people go, oh, it's 0.4%. It could be $20 a fortnight. It could be $10 a fortnight. But that's a couple of loaves of bread. So It all adds up. It all adds up. Yeah. And if you're on a low income, it adds up pretty quickly. Can people who tell the truth and how it is actually succeed in politics? I hope so, because I've met a couple and one made it to the Trade Minister of Australia and the other one's a Shadow Treasurer. Um, So, you know, I've worked for some great people. Uh, I work for this, and I call her a little midget. Her name is Vinnie Ciccarello, Vincenzina Ciccarello in South Australia. That's a name I do remember, actually. Yeah. um, She was the state member for Norwood, which was that bellwether seat that Don Dunstan held. And... um, she was the most amazingly honest person on the face. Of, in fact, she was blunt to the point of rudeness. I loved her. <laughs> and uh, I learned so much from her. Um, you knew and, where you stood? Well, you did. And, and her community did know it as well. They knew that she would fight for them, but they also knew that she would call a spade a spade when push came to shove. And if something was wrong, she told them that. I find it easier just to be honest. Um, there are times when you've got to be polite, but I'd rather be honest and say whether or not I can assist someone I don't want to lead them into this year-long cycle of saying, yes, yes, it's coming, yes, yes, it's coming, and it doesn't come. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that does justice to anybody. Um, And in a council position, we're in a position where uh, I've got 17,000 enrolled voters in my area, but I have about 40,000 people that I represent when you include the kids. 
And if a child comes up to me and says, I want a bin for the school, I'll say, go and get a petition and get all your students to sign it to say they'll put the rubbish in the bin and I'll get that bin to your school. I think that's fair enough. Mm-hmm. That's honest. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, I'm not doing it because I won't have that commitment out of you. And it's just... That's I a little bit like teach a man to fish. I like that. Yeah, but I just... A big one that we've been fighting for is up at um, Trinder Park, uh, up at the um, Laurel Street. There used to be a bus stop there, and when the new disability compliance laws came in, Logan City Council took out all the bus stops, and then TransLink decided which ones were going to have um, closed-in bus places. Well, that's a retirement area, and it needs a a closed-in bus shelter. Mm -hmm. So I've committed to putting one in there, and I committed, I'm pretty sure it was the first week after I was elected, We're now 17 months down the track and I'm still pushing TransLink to get that installed. I'm prepared to fund it out of Division 2 funds because I feel strongly that the only retirement um, village in my division should have a covered bus stop. It sounds like a no-brainer. It does, doesn't it? They're the highest users of buses. But it's actually got to comply with this standard, that standard. The the slopes up have to be in a particular way. It's got to be in the right spot. You have to have the residents in front approved that it's in front of their house and where it is. There are so many hurdles along the way to actually installing these things into the community. And people think that pollies are just fibbing to them. Sometimes a little bit of dictatorship here and a little bit of manipulation there, like if you understand in the broad context. Sometimes you you can't lead by committee, can you? You have to go, well, we're putting it there and that's just bad luck for the people that don't like it. But you can't do that in Australia anymore. You can't do that. And quite frankly, you shouldn't be able to do that except for in matters of safety. I think people have an expectation when they purchase somewhere that that's their home, their castle, if you like. Mm. Sometimes roads narrow, roads become um, much more congested. Uh, Ewing Road takes on average fifteen to 17,000 cars a day. That's a two-lane road. And it's classified as a connector because you've got people from Marsden and Crestmead heading through to the M1. Mm. Um, they, When they first purchased, they expected to have this nice little suburban street. And what they've got instead is something very different. There's a lot of yellow lines along that road, a lot of places where you can't park. But to give credit to the last councillor, he worked with the traffic crew to try and create more parking spots for them. I do give credit to the previous councillor who was in this role before me. He did a lot of good work in the community. He was either very popular or very unpopular. There was no in-between. That sounds like he's effective to me. It does. Because if you're washy, most people sort of like you. But if you if you achieve things, yeah. you can have two groups, like, dislike. Yep. He There's was nothing in the 33-year man. I mean, he, he, yeah, well. yeah, he wasn't lazy when it came to the community. The whole thing is, is that sometimes... You can't push what you want through, knowing that it's best for, for, for a particular community, but it could impact that individual. That's unfair, unless it's about safety, in which case all bets are off. That's fair. Yeah. What is it that you want people to know about Theresa Lane? Like, what's the one question that you've never been asked or they think, geez, I wish people really just knew this about me. Is there anything in your head? I'm pretty approachable. I've it- witnessed that, by the way. Did you? Because I've met you um, once before we had a coffee. Yep. And you're walking to your car and we were parked uh, near each other and a uh, lollipop person oh, yeah. stopped you to discuss something about one of the local schools. Yep. And I, to me, I was actually a little bit impressed because there was an issue. You said, how's this going? Yeah, good. Like you, you know your area. You know the issues going on even to the point where you weren't ready for that person to approach you with that question. or But you just knew your stuff. And I go, oh, Teresa Lane, that's impressive. Well, that's just it. You don't know everything that's going on in the community. I'm not looking in people's windows. So if someone raises something with me, Mm. and a lot of people raise things with me, and I'm very appreciative that they do, if I can do something about it, I will. 
if it's going to take a while, I'm going to tell them it's going to take a while. Um, I think the biggest thing is, is when you approach me, approach me with, you know, um, how you would want to be approached. Um, I have angry people come up and talk to me and I mm. try to deal with them um, in the best way that I can. But it's I'm a naturally upfront person. So I give as good as I get. Um, the biggest part is, is if you care about the community, I'm going to see it in your face and I'm going to work, you know, heaven on earth to try and get things done. But things don't always happen the way you want them to happen. They don't always happen the way I want them to happen. I'm planning on a set of loos down on Ewing Road at, um, at the uh, Rainbow Park. And I'm so excited by a set of toilets because it means a dignity for our community. It's just taking a while to get there. Um, I'm excited to do movies in the parks. And, and we were planning on a sausage uh, with a police officer this Saturday down at Elm Park. But because of what's happening in Windaroo, we've put that off for a month. Mm-hmm. But it's about connecting community. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to connect our community. I don't want to run your life. I don't want to tell you how to live your life. But if there's a problem, come up and approach me. And if I can fix it, I will. If I can't, I'm going to tell you I can't. And I'm going to tell you why. And if I can refer you to someone else, I'll do that as well. But you'll never hear me lay blame. You won't hear it. Wow. Yeah. What's the secret? At, at the moment, in the current discourse of social media, people just yell at each other. Yeah. So say you get this angry person coming up to you. They have a very particular view on something. And you obviously have your view on it. Yeah. What do you think the secret is to actually being heard by somebody who's you know on the other side yelling down, down their own echo chamber? Have you found it? What's the trick? What's the because you meet a lot of people from a lot of different. I do, and uh, I and attitudes. I meet a, I meet angry people. There are anxious people out in the community. They're actually a lot of angry people that you meet are frightened, mm. um, and they're frightened because either it's you know a housing issue, it could be um, they're not sure what their future holds. They may have relocated from down south. There was a gentleman that I met, and he was on social media, and he just kept peck peck pecking away, and he was quite. Some people would say aggressive with with his writing. And I said to him, I'll tell you what, buddy, how about you come down and meet me face to face? We'll have a chat and we'll go from there. And he did. And when we discussed things, I realized, number one, he wasn't the aggressive person that I thought. He was very vocal in what he wanted for the community. He'd only been here six weeks and didn't know a lot of the history, but he wanted to see this community, this magic community that I kept promoting. He wanted to see where it was. Now he's like, he likes things. He says to the kids, good on you guys. You're doing a great job. I mean, he just needed to know that someone cared as much as he did. He wanted to be heard. He wanted to be heard. A lot of people want to be heard. So as a councillor, you're really the human interface to what we all just call council or a level of government. Like you, you, you're the soft point where you can communicate to and listen and take. You're the, the messenger of the what are the people thinking, what is it they need. I know this sounds so basic, but that's the core role of a representative, right? It is. I'm not there to, to give you a hug or, or to hold your hand through things. I have. Um, in the last lockdown, I stopped at a half a dozen houses along my street and said, do you need anything from the shops? And people said, yes, I grabbed them. I try and call people when we're in lockdown to make sure that they're okay if they're a single household and over a certain age, have you got your medications? Do you need a hand with this? You know, I'm prepared to go out and, and give a hand, but I'm not there to lead their lives. When I was actually getting my COVID shot, um, I rang because I hadn't heard from them in ages. And I said to them, look, I registered. I haven't heard from you. She said, are you in the priority area? I said, no, I'm just a counsellor. And she said, well, counsellor, that's health. And I went, no, I'm the one that breaks hearts, not fixes them. (laughs) And and she sort of went, oh, you're one of those. Yes. And and I said, yes, I'm a politician. And she goes, oh, all right. Well, you're in the queue. And that was it. And she hung up. (laughs) And so 
<laughs> I thought, oh, bugger. I'm mm. out in the community all the time. I really wanted to be vaccinated because I meet so many vulnerable people. So we found a way and I've had my first shot and I'm due for my second one in a couple of weeks. But everything that we do is connecting people. It's connecting dots. It's making sure that people have... Um, the things that they need to, to survive in a community. I was up in Underwood um, doing a bunch of um, uh, community consultations recently and they said, oh, these parks. And I looked around and I said, these are some of the best looking parks I've ever seen in my life. If you come down to 4114, you'll see some not so great parks. Mm. But let's see what we can work on. What's your priority here? Turns out it was dog exercise equipment, human exercise equipment, and we're going to put some interactive artwork onto the footpaths. We're going to utilise those infrastructure that's already there and put hopscotch courts and handball courts and things Fantastic. that aren't actually in our parks anymore. So we're dreaming. And the kids will love that. They will. They'll take straight to it. Absolutely. It'll be the most used infrastructure around. Completely. It's not like the well-lit, whatever, fancy, schmancy stuff. It's I'll be out there back playing. Back to basics, Like yeah. I'm seriously, when summer comes and we've got some of these markings on the parks, I'm going to be out there with the little zooper-duper ice blocks and saying to kids, come and verse me in a game of handball, let's bring it. Always the big square, though. Absolutely. I want the big square. I want to be the ace. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I told you at the start of this podcast that it was going to be interesting because you're a very interesting person. I was curious about how do you feel about it? Even I said at the start of our chat, oh, you're not the normal politician. And that's quite rude because I'm also I'm painting this negative connotation mm. of a politician. But do you understand where I'm coming from when I say that? And how does that make you feel? Does that annoy you that people have this natural picture or stereotype of what they possibly believe a politician is? And then you've sort of got to defend, well, hang on, I'm not like that or geez, you're ignorant. Or how do you see that when someone says that? So I have a natural thing where I think, oh, you're a politician. I think it. I say it. Okay, so it's not abnormal to have no, a certain stereotype not. in the head. But I can say this to you. I've worked with um, with people who became prime ministers. Um, I've worked with people who were ministers, both in the federal and the state government. I've worked with local councillors for 20-odd years. Cherie Daly, amazing woman. They're actual human beings. And some people say people oh, they're, they're just in it for what they can get. Well, if, I, if it means... Old Joe knocking on the side of my house at 7am on a Saturday going, Teresa, the water bubbler's not working in the park. And I go, Joe, they turn it off at, you know, this particular time. (laughs) But he's there. Teresa, have you got any cans? I'm cushing them in. Next minute, I'm gathering cans for this senior citizen in a scooter that comes and knocks on my door at 7 o'clock in the morning. Wow. This happens. Um, You know, Jim Chalmers is out there and he runs Park Run. I'm uh, not a runner, can you tell? (laughs) <laughs> Me either. Like, it's undignified. But anyway. Have you ever seen a smiling runner? That's my defense. Back when I was a whippet and 56 kilos, you did, because I was really excited about that beer at the end of the run. But, mm. um, you know, he'll, he'll come back with 10, 15 constituent inquiries out of a park run. So he goes and he's out of breath. He's just run five clicks. And he's got all these people saying, Jim, I have this issue. And that's what he's there to do. That's why he goes to park run. You've got to be a special human to do this job, I think, because, you, you know, if you're there to have, say, a run yep. uh, and then you get people wanting to give you their opinion or their gripe or this is what's bugging me, I, I, I reckon I'd snap because I, I'm not that approachable 24-7. I mean, I'm approachable, but I've got to be in the mindset of, okay, this is what I'm now doing. It sounds like the, the key to success to being a pu- in public service is you just have to be an all-round nice person, always on, always available for a comment. I think you've actually got to be a human being. So you've got to treat people the way you want to be treated. And if someone comes up to you and you're having a bad day, you can actually turn to them. And I've done this. I've said, I'm having a really bad day. So my reaction may not be what you're expecting. And I've actually told them that. Um, what do they say honest- when you tell them that? 
they appreciate it. Yeah. They appreciate the heads up that you, you know, that you have bad days, that yeah. you have tri- troubles, you have trials and things that push you. And, uh, you know, someone's come up and pushed your button five times that day and you just think, and, and the next person comes up to you and you go, I'm having a very bad day today. I've met some very rude people and I've met some really nice people. I'm trying to focus on those nice people. Which one are you going to be? And you just see them go, I'm the nice person. They they completely change their body stance. They might have come roaring in, ready to have a go. And they change what they're saying. I had one bloke who said, you're all right, love. You'll be fine. He nice. didn't raise his issue. He just said, you're all right. You'll be fine. Only had enough forethought to actually not just vomit all over you. He yeah. said, right, she's not today. Yep. And it's just honesty. And I think yeah. a lot of our um, local councillors in the new council, they're very honest people. They're a good group of people. You know what? We're working really well together. Um, we're a new council and people expected us to, you know, sort of have all these egos running wild. There's a few egos up there. We've absolutely got egos. You have to have an ego to run for anything, yeah. even a chook raffle. Yeah. But they actually have the best interests of the community in mind. And uh, I appreciate each of them. It's Everyone has their own unique talents and, and special things that they bring to the table. And it's it's pretty awesome. That's the really lovely part about that. Like our representatives, say, so just from an LCC point of view. Yeah. The gel, you all gel, you all get along, you all get on with the job. There's no backstabbing. There's no, there's never anything that I can see anywhere. And I speak to a lot of the different councillors, and and it's all congruent. It's all, it's amazing. It's yeah. actually a making amazing ecosystem that is created here. It is phenomenal. We had um, a situation where um, I had some masks made up, and I wanted to actually decorate them because the kids are just they'd bought in the masks for the kids, and I thought. These are a bit daggy, you know, if I can get other kids to, to do them up. So I was talking to one of the directors of Community Lifestyle, Katie Barton-Harvey, and I said to her, Director, what's your kids doing this weekend? Do they want to, you know, decorate some masks? And she's like, well, we'll have a crack at it. Next minute, her mum's making masks in this magic material and providing it so that we can actually send it out to some of the schools for kids who don't want to wear the, the surgical masks and want something kind of cool. And it's actually being really well received. So we've got the director of a, a portfolio area, a major portfolio in an area in council. Her mum's making masks for us now. How phenomenal is that? Yeah, it's unheard of. It's pretty awesome. It is awesome. So, yeah. So we live in an awesome city, Logan City. It's actually a city in its own right. I mean, yep. it's a big population. And a lot of people are talking about the sense of community and how to go about it. If you were to try and highlight what's the, the single thing that is the secret source to building community, what is it? Say good day to your neighbour. Say good day to one. Can't be that simple. It is. It is. Say good day to one person that you don't know every week and introduce yourself. But we just drive into our, you know, bubble and close the garage door and then in and then out and no one talks to anybody anymore. We've stopped the bubble. I mean, the Anzac services proved that. When we're in lockdown, everyone got out on their front front, um, driveways. We actually, if if you know, you don't need to know the ins and outs of your neighbour, but if you say, Robert, you're 87 years of age, what are you doing cutting that around or, you know, do you need a hand with this? It's amazing how that grows. And if you do that to one person every week, you might not meet a very nice person. You might meet a great person. But if you just, even walking past someone, if I'm down at Logan Central Plaza, I'll walk past and go, good morning. And people look at me like, why is that crazy woman talking to me? (laughs) And eventually, after so long, they say good morning back. I do that because I don't live in Logan. I live in Brisbane and I live in a high rise. And all the people I bump into the lift... Nine out of ten people will not say hello back or they'll sort of recoil because I think they're shocked that someone actually goes, oh, every time I get in the lift, oh, morning. 
and I'm waiting for the and look them in the eye and they don't know, quite know what to do. It's sort of weird. And that's just amazing. If you're in a building, yeah. you're actually a community within yourself. Well, that's how I feel. Like people in this building, you're my clan. Like you know, absolutely. I trust absolutely. you just because you live here. I don't. It's that simple. Oh, I don't for trust me. people that easy. But <laughs> good for you, Nikki. <laughs> well, I have to. Right, we're all together. So but we've actually got we've got a lot of troubles out in the community, and um, something as simple as hooning. So um, mm. I encourage my neighbours to get out with their mobile phones. And mind you, my neighbours are pretty old. And they run out the front of the house when they hear a hoon coming and they have their phone ready, pretending mm. like they're videotaping them. We, mm. we had hoons stopping from coming around our area for a while because of that very reason. Yeah. Um, it's about talking to them and, you know, just saying day. Mobilising the people. Exactly. I'd love to see a community where we all got to do yoga in the park or, you know, had a seniors walk. Oh, wait, we already do do that. We've got a seniors walking group down at Logan Central Plaza, um, Heart Walkers. We've got the Learner Craft down at uh, Logan Senior Citizen Centre on the Thursday for five dollars. You can go along there. You can crochet, knit. You can just have a chat, and you get morning tea. Bang for buck. Like we've got so many things in this community where you can get out, get active, and meet people. It's taking that first step, and sometimes it's taking that first step with someone new and saying to them, "Would you like to come along to this?" That's it. Yeah. So if you're lonely, or even if you're just trepidatious or nervous, yeah. Just make that first step. And if you need a hand getting into it, reach out to your local councillor in your yeah. area and say, this is what interests me. Yeah. What's on? And become a Meals on Wheels driver or volunteer. Yeah, I saw that. We've got, so we need, they need yeah, more drivers. They do. They do. They've seen a big increase under COVID. So uh, they need more volunteers to help mm. do the food prep. And uh, they need more volunteers to drive it there. And particularly from multicultural communities, um, people with multilingual um, skills you're, you're held in high regard. Don't think that you don't have any skills. The fact that you can speak two or three languages is amazing. It's a lot more than I can speak. Mm. Um, we want you out there delivering meals. Amazing. So if you need, uh, obviously Meals on Wheels is easy to find, but you can also get in touch with your local council's officers for the contact details. Get in for touch that. with Councillor Teresa. Yeah, Councillor Teresa will she set you on that. the path. That's it. <laughs> Look, it's been wonderful having a chat with you. Um, like I said at the start, you are an onion and it needs more than one podcast. So um, I think that's enough for one city and I want people just to absorb all that goodness that you've oh, given good us. good luck, people. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> uh, next time we're going to continue the chat and some of the questions I didn't get to uh, goes to things like um, when to double down, when to sledgehammer through or when to let the committee rule and stuff. But I want to get into that next time. Councillor Theresa Lane, thanks for being on the Business 101 Show bonus podcast. Thank you very much for your time and see you, everybody. Thanks for listening. That was the Business 101 Show bonus podcast. If you'd like to pass any comment or ask a question or maybe even be interviewed on the show, please get in touch with us via business101show.com.au that's online, email, Instagram, and Facebook. I'm Coach Nikki. Thanks for listening. <laughs>